A nudnik, a real bum. The bad clowns freak him out. This is the... Theme song of the podcast of the movie of the uncle of the nephew who's a dreamer and he cannot keep a job. We watch the... Movie by the minute and we talk about what's in it but we want it to be different so we added two more seconds. It's UHF 62. Uh, 60 second. UHF 60 second. I know. Welcome to UHF 60 second, the podcast where we analyze UHF 62 seconds at a time. I am your host, John 9000. Dave, what are you doing, Dave? <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to introduce our fabulous guest, uh, Rudy Thornburg, from the podcast. Open the podcast doors, Hal. Ooh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Mm, thank you for coming on. I, th- I think the woo is my signature. That That's like my signature move on, on the uh, 2001 podcast. Did I say the name of the podcast correctly? Yeah, I'm sure you did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Open the podcast doors, Hal. I mean, it's a mouthful, but I'm pretty sure you said it, right? Yeah, when I'm talking to my friends about it, I always just say the 2001 podcast, so I was had a really hardcore mental struggle to actually say the name of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, me too. Pretty much every time I say it, I, I wouldn't worry about it. Right on. I fell into that trap when I was looking for your guys' podcast, and I, I re- kind of remembered what it was, but I, then I typed in the, you know, open the pod bay doors, and that is a podcast, but it is nothing like your podcast. Right. And as far yeah. as I can tell, it has nothing to do with the movie. So it, it's very it's irritating, isn't it? Yeah. It's just rude. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Well, let's talk about UHF. And in honor of our 2001 guest, Rudy, I know you guys uh, always talk about the timestamps of your episodes. And ours are kind of weird as well um, mm-hmm. because we are doing 62 seconds. So I think this is the first time I've even actually given them. Um, so minute 11 is from 10 minutes and 20 seconds to 11 minutes and 22 seconds. So really, we need to start See, that's handy. Is it? (laughs) Well, I hope so. That's why we do it, because I think the people who uh, try to follow along with our minutes use, uh, you know, Amazon or if they, you know, own it digitally. It is handy to have those seconds mapped out, you know? I see, I see. But I think we need to start calling these, uh, you know, uh, episodes and then say the minutes and not call it a minute because we're... we're, uh, Based on what you just told us, we're kind of like straddling a minute, like uh, one foot on each side of the fence, so to speak. Yeah. So this is like episode 1020 to 1122? (laughs) Sure, why not? Yep. And uh, Jonathan, would you care to tell the listeners what happens in this episode slash minute? Yeah, I think this is the first time this has happened, and we're only in minute 11, or, you know, 1020 to 1122. (laughs) But we get a joke split. So the last of last episode... George was smashing his head on the countertop and yelling at himself. And this one, we completely miss all of that. And he just uh, looks like he's just getting up from a quick little nap. And he's like, oh, what's for dinner? <laughs> he's all better. He's good. Let's see how it ends. Uh, we just we, It just ends at a party. We get to meet some more people. Yeah, it's it's lovely. Indeed. I think being able to snap from that one, you know, that one piece of action to the next is, uh, is even better than the jokes that come before or after it. <laughs> I'm ready to talk about mashed potatoes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the formalities aside. Let's talk about mashed potatoes. My first question is, uh, and I'm going to pose this, I guess, to both of you guys. Is this a reasonable amount of mashed potatoes for two people for dinner? Well, seeing as how you know he's saying what's for dinner, and then it's mashed potatoes, 
that's probably if that's all they're going to have, maybe that is a reasonable amount. I think what came to mind when I saw it was like, how did she mash them in that pot when they're overflowing out of the pot? Uh, that's the part that's harder for me. Yeah, I had notes that the the lid looked a little too clean, and I don't I don't think that lid actually came off of that pot. <laughs> like it 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 actually was weird to me thinking that in order to get the pot to look like that, they actually had to like pull a stunt basically by having him pull the lid off something else or just pull the lid from somewhere else mm-hmm. to actually go through that thought process of like, well, you can't pull it off the pot because it's going to mess up the potatoes. <laughs> I like the fact that there's like now on set, like a potato pot wrangler guy. That's like, uh, you know, <laughs> we need to, you know, bring in the pot wrangler to set this pot up. Correct. This is a pretty fancy pot actually too do you think that she actually made it like in a regular pot and then this is like a serving pot is that a thing that happens See, that's what i assume has to happen because i don't think she could have actually made them in that pot because there's way too many in there to be mashing up yeah because half of them would just be spilling out all over the the range that's that's my take on it indeed it is a pretty stylish pot though there is so she is taking something out of the microwave too so they're not just having ma- uh, maybe george is just having mashed potatoes but <laughs> yeah is that her dinner and yeah uh... <laughs> he's like a little kid that you have to make them like a, the separate chicken nuggets for dinner like she's having a meal and he's just having mashed potatoes well you know he won't eat unless he you know gets his mashed potatoes that he gets to sculpt how do the piggies eat <laughs> <laughs> yep do you, either of you enjoy mashed potatoes, either from a box or actual mashed potatoes? Uh, I prefer them not from a box, but it, it's happened. It's happened at Thanksgiving. <laughs> it, it just it just happens. Yeah. Yeah, I like making them. I like eating them. Uh, I don't. I don't think that I've enjoyed you know any powdered mashed potato product in the past. It's kind of just like a a food item, you know, a filler item. Uh, but I, I guess I'm spoiled. You know, we make pretty good ones here, so I, I like them. I love them, actually, I should say. Let's be honest. Love mashed potatoes. Right on. I myself could probably eat that whole pot. I wouldn't feel very good about myself afterwards, but <laughs> I could probably do it. You know, in TV commercials, they often use mashed potatoes as like a stand-in for ice cream. Ooh. So I was watching this thinking to myself, I wonder if they used ice cream as a stand-in. For- no, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. They probably didn't do that. I kind of wish they had. That would have been amazing. That would have, um, we'll have to ask Tony what he thinks about substituting mashed potatoes <laughs> for ice cream when we talk to him next time. Ridiculous. <laughs> so instead of ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. What is it for uh, potatoes? I mash, uh, I mash, you mash. We all mash for potatoes. <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> have you guys experimented with um, the mashed cauliflower situation? Like, uh, you know, you, you boil the cauliflower and then blend it up and, uh, do that instead that sounds awful oh it's really good it's really it's it's almost indistinguishable from mashed potatoes but it's a lot healthier i mean i like cauliflower like i'm i will eat that quite happily oh really yeah oh yeah it's great steam it (laughs) that sounds terrible to me just eating but i don't know for some reason if you make it appear as mashed potatoes it becomes delicious well the trick is you steam it and then you throw it on a baked potato (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so there's still potatoes involved. All right. Yeah, you you want to get the potatoes involved one way or the other. <laughs> Words to live by. <laughs> <laughs> I do like we get some more some hints about Terry. I guess in this minute, now she's uh, she's she's a loving girlfriend. You know, she's obviously made mashed potatoes for George, even though he like already forgot about dinner and and you know rushed <laughs> over there. Um, yeah. 
But she talks about how he's been from job to job ever since I've known you. We've we found from Bob already that like what in the last month he's had four different jobs or something. Yeah, I think we we yeah at least. I'm just wondering how long have they known each other and how many jobs is that? Well, um, uh, I mean, I wonder like because four doesn't sound like very many for a guy who doesn't have a career at and you know at pretty much any age. Uh, I think the trick to uh, surviving those terrible jobs is to move from one to the other fairly swiftly. So sure, I don't know. I don't know how old Weird Al is in this movie, but uh, I mean, if if he's twenty, I would expect him to have had at least four jobs. Well, I'm just saying that's four jobs in the last month. So I'm, I'm, you know, is Ooh. that like an average? So if they've if they've known each other for eight months, is that thirty two different jobs or? Oh man, you're painting a much more bleak picture. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, four in a month is is quite a bit, even at uh, 20 or 19. And I think he's a little, I can't remember, I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but he's in his, like in actuality, he's around about 30 when they made this. Of course, there's no reference to his actual age in the film. Sounds about right. Jonathan, you're saying that she's saying ever since I've known you, and so you're asking how long we think they've known each other? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can forget the number of jobs, that's that's fine. But like now I'm wondering just how long have they known each other? Or... Hmm. Can we circle back around to that? Yeah, I think that goes into my notes for a little bit later. Well, that goes into my... I've got a theory I've been cooking up for the next minute that, that is kind of about okay. that. So let's uh, right. pin that. Let's, that's what you call a... Uh, what do they call that? A teaser for next episode, I guess? Yes. I was... Uh, you know, other things in, in Terry's apartment, I, I noticed uh, watching this for the first time, uh, minute by minute, that she has a lot of uh, wine bottles in like a built-in wine rack kind of above the fridge behind her. And she also has a bottle of wine on the table. I don't know. That's is, Her apartment is very bare. There's barely anything in her apartment except for we see at least four bottles of wine, which I guess that's <laughs> maybe not excessive, but it kind of makes me wonder, you know, if uh, Terry's a little bit of a lush. She's living the dream. <laughs> yeah, well, she has to put up with George uh, quitting his job every week. Yep. But we also know that there's a deleted scene uh, at the end of this um, that we just kind of see part of where... Um, after dinner's over and he's uh she's sitting on his lap and he the audience thinks that he's about to make his move and go in and start making out with her and he gives her a huge zubert and then they fall over uh, and that kind of concludes the scene so i wonder if she has to like uh i wonder if all the wine is actually for george where she's trying to get him liquored up so that he'll make out with her and he just gets more wacky and and you know gives her the zubert as a result of being a little tipsy <laughs> Not that people talk about this movie that way a lot, but when people do talk about the romantic relationship, they seem to comment that there's just like nothing here until the very end of the movie. Um, but then watching those deleted scenes, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm totally fine with what's actually in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get the Close Encounters gag here. It's surprising when you kind of look at the, the movies that he's chosen to lampoon and look at the age of... So Close Encounters is over a decade old at this point. 12 years old. Yeah. You know, I guess uh, maybe the cultural zeitgeist didn't uh, turn over quite as quickly in the 80s and 70s and that kind of thing. But uh, I just feel like if this were if we were remaking this movie in 2018, the references would have to be a lot more um, of the time. I kind of agree with you. Well, I mean, a, a 12-year-old movie to me now 
still feels new, but I don't know. I guess you could go either direction with it and do parody something super recent, which I guess is more common nowadays, rather than, you know, go for a reference that's 10 plus years old. That's that's a good point, though. I was trying to think if I were if we were to remake this now, which nobody should do, but uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, like I was trying to think of another science fiction movie um, that you could just like a quick ref. Like this is such a quick thing, but it's so obvious. And I was trying to think of like Interstellar if I would make like a bookshelf and like books flying off the shelf or something. Or I don't I don't know what else you could do. And it's kind of interesting, you know, the other, so far, the only other thing that we've had the overt reference to is the Indiana Jones thing. And I wonder if it's just that Weird Al was so great at um, choosing things that people would uh, immediately identify with, or if it's just that the movies of that time were that much more iconic. But I, um, you know, when I try and think about what, what I would do now, I come up with nothing or well, nothing good anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good... I I teach middle school students, uh, kids who are pretty much the target age for this movie when it came out in 89, and one of them brought up Avatar to me today. And uh, I don't even remember when Avatar came out. Like, I I would call it super recent, but of course it's not. I'm sure it's like 10 years old or something. But uh, I think that would be something people could parody and the uh, target audience would, would potentially get the reference. Yeah, I guess I can see Avatar, yeah. And that movie is nearly 10 years old. I think it's like about nine years old now. <laughs> yep. When you guys first saw this movie, did you know what this reference was? For me, yeah, no doubt. Like, I was 12 years old when UHF came out. I was like the perfect target audience for it. But uh, I, I had been you know, a big movie person since I had the ability to you know, watch movies or whatever and you know, get it until we could afford a VCR. And Close Encounters was one of those things where the music had been parodied so much in popular culture. I think I was aware of that, you know, as like, oh, I think I'm supposed to know what that means. And then I saw Close Encounters when I was, you know, I think I probably saw it you know, for the first time when I was like seven or eight, like on HBO or something. And then later on, after I'd seen it referenced, you know, the music being referenced, uh, uh, I, I, you know, went back and saw it. So by the time I saw UHF, I had seen Close Encounters and seen other pop culture references to it. I think there was a uh, in one of the Roger Moore James Bond movies, like he hits the uh, the passcode, you know, to get through a doorway. And uh, oh, no, he's doing I think that when he does the James Bond theme. But I think the Close Encounters thing pops up somewhere in one of the Roger Moore James Bond movies. I can't remember. But there's other examples of it, too. So I did get it. But I don't think I thought it was funny, you know, as a 12 year old. <laughs> Well, uh, I I did not know what the reference was until quite a bit later. So I this this struck me as wonderfully bizarre. Uh, you know, when you're seeing this with no frame of reference at all, this guy is sculpting his mashed potatoes and having like this really intense moment, and I have no idea what's going on. I love it. Yeah, the tonal <laughs> shift is the joke for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm same with uh, David. I hadn't seen Close Encounters. But it is such a shift that I knew it was like, okay, he's doing something, so I'm gonna just go along with it, but I don't know what it is. So you're <laughs> was, saying that quite a while. What he was doing meant something and it was important? Yes. Yeah. It was important, but I didn't know why. <laughs> That's meta. Indeed. So you said you so you saw this uh you're saying when you were twelve, Rudy. So did you see it? How did you see? Did you see it in the theater when you were twelve, or uh, on video, or what? Tell us how you came to you know know about this film. 
definitely a VHS rental. So maybe I was 13 because stuff didn't come out for about a year, you know, until, you know, after it came out in the theater, it took about a year for it to show up on VHS. Although you never know, UHS could have popped up on video really quickly because I don't even remember it being in the theater. But yeah, I, I rented the VHS cassette, you know, when I was a kid and I was like, well, you know, Weird Al's funny. This cover looks wacky. Let's, let's check this out. It wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't like coming from a huge Weird Al fan. I wasn't like a a weird head, you know, as a you know 12 or 13 year old. But I was like, well, this is probably going to be enjoyable. You know, took it from there. So you just uh, grabbed it off the shelf yourself. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> right on. Anything else about uh, Close Encounters slash uh, Terry's apartment? How much, how much have you talked about Victoria Jackson already? <laughs> Not too much. Uh, I mean, she was really, really funny. I mean, she had such a great comedic <laughs> presence. Uh, perhaps more so than it deserves reference her movie rating joke on Saturday night live with like the, you know, zero to five star system. And the joke being that like the stars had nothing, the number of stars had nothing to do with the quality of the movie. It was just like a a random, you know, five stars means it was pretty good. You know, if you've got (laughs) nothing else to do, go see it. Um, and she was really, really funny, but it's just so odd to imagine somebody who is, dating this you know george the weird al character and then is like when are you gonna start taking things more seriously (laughs) that just strikes me as so absurd that we're gonna believe that his girlfriend is upset that her like complete buffoon of a boyfriend isn't taking things more seriously yeah so she's more or less like the straight man in the relationship (laughs) yes it kind of makes their relationship a little bit sad too when earlier when they're at burger world And George is like, they're going to remember me. He's got imagination. Well, she says this line, when you make that imagination work for you instead of against you. Like, so it's, it's that whole thing of, you know, I kind of think he doesn't really see what he's got in front of him. Like, cause she already recognizes that he has imagination and she's kind of, kind of pushing him to make that work for him. Just like he was already saying, like people should say about him. That's like the next thought is she is, has a lot more wisdom and, you know, his creativity is in the way of him noticing, you know, or, or trying to uh, having the maturity to understand how to monetize that creativity, you know, because he's just, as you see, like, particularly in this one scene, he's like full on full power from one topic to the next every 13 seconds. So he does not have the maturity necessary to uh, turn <laughs> his creativity into something uh, that's beneficial to him, you know. The funny thing is, if we do start moving into the party here, I do like that for the most part, he is more subdued. Yeah, I'd be probably crawling out of my skin, you know, hanging out at a, a party that's, you know, hosted by much older people like that. But so I can, I, <laughs> I can see why he'd be like, you know, connecting with the animal in the party instead of the other people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we can talk more about the party next episode, but I, I um, we get uh, Esther Bilchik here. Um making her debut in this movie to us the actress is uh sue ann langdon um and i don't have much about her except for that she this is the next to last role that she is credited with on imdb she's still alive she is still alive. yeah Yeah. yep she was married to the same guy i'm not familiar with him but i found his name jack emmerich they were married Mm -hmm. from 1959 all the way to 2010 and when he when he died this is the only thing I know her from, although looking through her IMDb, I was like, oh, I've probably seen her many, many times before, but 
but this well, is if you haven't seen Zapped, I can hi- highly recommend it. I've not seen that. Really? Uh, <laughs> interesting. I was looking at that credit, and it looked I had not heard of it, but it looked curious to me. Uh, yeah, Scott Bayo and Willie Ames. It's it's actually pretty ugly. You know, I, you know, it's it's pretty dark. So I don't know if I'd actually recommend it. It's totally absurd and stupid, but it you know it's it, there's no likable characters in it. So maybe maybe don't watch it. Willie Ames is a real really disgusting cretin in the movie, but it's it's certainly a timepiece. Right on. That's a pretty good endorsement of a. Uh, it's really great. Watch it, and also don't watch it. Yeah, it turns out it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's novel. It's unlike anything that would come out in the theaters nowadays. So it's got that going for it. But uh, yeah, it's actually pretty repugnant. So never mind. <laughs> I love it. I saw her face and I was like, she looks kind of familiar. Was she in like the Screaming Skull or something like that? And so I had to go look up her, um, the actual filmology. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I saw her in a ton of stuff, you know, on TV when I was a kid. You know, she was on Three's Company and The Love Boat and Happy Days, all the kind of stuff that was playing when I got home from school. Um, but I think probably the only movies she's been in that I've seen her in are UHF and Zapped. I don't, I don't think there's any. I don't think I've seen her in any other any of her movies. I have seen one of the films that she was in with Elvis, but I have no recollection of her in that film. She's not the top build. It's like, um, oh, it's not Janet Lee, but uh, who's in? Who's the girl in All About Eve um, that I'm blanking on? Um, and uh weird al in the commentary actually makes the pointed out that movie because i never would have known that but he references that the that particular uh roustabout i think is the elvis movie uh and says that um billy barty was also in a film with elvis and so he he draws that weird bizarre line uh in the commentary whatever it takes so he can compare himself to elvis (laughs) 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 we do get to the party we really faced the first thing with this huge punch bowl. I've seen many punch bowls like that, but I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of punch. And so whenever I see something like that, it just reminds me of all the times that I was ever at a party, and that's all there was to drink was that punch. And I'm like, oh, like even is there just like water somewhere or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a lot of oranges in that punch bowl, and I don't ever really remember. Or is it oranges that's in that? Yeah, the slices that you throw on the top, right? Yeah, but there's usually, yeah. like, from my experience, it's usually, like, slices of uh, strawberry or, you know, like, I don't recall oranges, slices of oranges being in the punch. Well, I mean, I think they're they're kind of dating it. This is the late 50s, early 60s, you know, generation, like that the aunt and uncle that are hosting this party, you know. I, I think that was probably a, a more late 50s style of punch. Huh. Now I, I really want to see a documentary about the evolution of punch through the ages. <laughs> We're going to have to make it because I don't think anybody else has made it. But if we want to get in on this, you know, I'm on board. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. We'll talk offline about it. I'm, I'm interested. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to talk about the, the stretchy face. We don't have to talk about it long, but uh, it, it, it's funny that the last podcast that I was on doing this minute thing was, was princess bride. And, uh, there's a big cheek pinch at the beginning of Princess Bride, and here we get a big cheek pinch at the beginning of this movie. Must be the the Mark Knopfler effect or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, uh, thanks for mentioning that. I, I because the tail end of that cheek gag is on the next minute. Uh, as I'm looking at it here, more of it is on this minute. So um, I guess uh, we should be talking about that. I, I this is a really good gag to me um, because it. 
uh, you get the feel of the stretchy, you know, uh, through the sound and his, his, uh, the sound editing and like his facial movement. Um, you get the suggestion of his cheeks stretching really, really strongly. And I never really noticed until much later that you don't actually see his cheeks stretching out. It's just like a solid, um, prosthetic. <laughs> I mean, obviously his cheek isn't actually stretching out. I always thought, I always knew it was a prosthetic, but I thought, you know, my memory of it, thinking back on it, is that you actually see his cheeks stretch way out, and you don't at all, and you don't see it slap back, of course. It's just, a, you know, the solid one-piece prosthetic that doesn't move. But uh, it's it's really good. It's The editing around it, the sound editing and the film editing around it is a pretty good gag. It's really um, well done for somebody that, you know, has only ever directed music videos uh, and isn't, you know, known as a, you know, a comedy director. The the timing's great. I mean, Al really sells the the physical comedy here. Yeah, I guess I could have just said that. That was a lot more succinct. <laughs> <laughs> this cheek gag. I, I could imagine that they had a lot more ideas of using prosthetics and you know fake faces or you know whatever. But I like that they don't really do it that much. I mean, they do in his fantasies and stuff, but you got to pace yourself with the ridiculousness. Yeah, I like the I like the restraint. <laughs> I like the idea that you know we can describe UHF and celebrate its restraint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is this party? I know we can talk about it. There's more things going on next minute, but just just what do you think this party is? Yeah, we will. All three of us are going to cast our votes for what we think this party is celebrating, and then we'll reveal the answer in the next episode. Sounds good to me. So I think, um, come back to me. I, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not sure, but I'll just say this is a, a thing that they do regularly. I don't know if there's a special event, but you know, I yeah, think entertaining I, is probably part of their life. I, yeah. Probably Aunt Esther's, she's got a, you know, a group and it's her turn to host it this week or something. And well, I think that this is a sending off party, and this is dipping into next minute a little bit, but we learn in the next minute that she is going to go on a shopping trip soon to Rodeo Drive. And so I think <laughs> I think she's thrown herself like a going away, um, you know, uh, shopping spree pre-party. I think that's what this is. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, listeners, uh, tune in next episode, uh, and we'll reveal what this party is supposed to be about. Um, and then in the meantime, um, email us uh, what you think this party is in honor of or celebrating at uh, uhf62nd at gmail.com. And then also subscribe and listen to Rudy's wonderful podcast. Do you want to tell listeners how they can listen to your podcast? Yeah, sure. Uh, myself and my my buddy Chris, we do a minute-by-minute treatment of 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's called Open the Podcast Doors How. It's accessible wherever fine podcasts are sold. You can hit us up on Facebook if you want to uh, check it out. And we have a users group up there called Space Station 5 if you want to chat with some of the other listeners. Uh, that's really about it. We have an Instagram page that we use pretty regularly. It's just uh, Open the Podcast Doors How. Remember how we told you that uh, we don't really know how these things end? Oh, I remember. Let me-